a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. In this episode, our news editor, Johnny Bairstow, speaks with Professor Phil Hart, Director of Energy and Power at Cranfield University, in which they discuss the global coronavirus pandemic and its impact on the sector, the power grid, and much more. So, hello there. Uh, please could I ask you to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. I'm uh, Professor Phil Hart from Cranfield University. Well, thank you very much for talking to us today. Uh, my first question amid this coronavirus outbreak really is, is it going to have much of an impact on the grid? Because people are working from home, uh, they're shifting their patterns and location of where they're creating demand. Is that going to cause an issue? Really simple answer to that. No, not really. Um, if you take the, the power that you use at work, uh, you're probably going to use um, the same or maybe a little bit less if you shift your workplace to, um, to your home. Um, and then if you look at sort of, you know, there was slight increase in, in power draw in your individual homes, but a lot of power decrease at the office that you're normally working. Right? You balance them two off. What you probably have is a bit of a redistribution of power flow within the, within the grid. But in overall terms, there should be, it should net off to be approximately equal. Right? Um, what you'll probably find is that power draw goes down just a little bit. If you couple that, I, I like to think if you think about the whole picture, um, if you take the sort of fuel use during commuting, um, and if people when they shut the offices down were to turn the turn the air conditioning down a little bit, make sure the lights don't go on and stuff like that, so that their buildings get run efficiently while they're away, um, you should see a decrease in power overall, uh, and that's going to be potentially quite good. For the planet i mean there's you know there's lots of personal issues with this and there's obviously a lot of people that are going to suffer um but in terms of the planet it should be quite good i mean uh, you know, great thing look at all the aircraft that aren't flying there's always a silver lining yeah that's going to have a dramatically good effect on overall carbon emissions Okay, well, uh, I'll get on to that actually more in a bit. But before we do talk about the potential effects for decarbonisation and reaching net zero and even the good things that could come out of uh, COVID-19, uh, if you believe there are any, my next question is, do you think there's a risk to power supply? So you've said that demand won't increase, but what about the workers in power stations? Yeah, there's, um, there's, there's things that could happen if we look over a really long time scale. Um, obviously, all these power stations have maintenance plans. They have workers in there that are keeping the equipment operating at its peak efficiency. Um, you've got all the managers that are controlling all of that, and then the power station managers that are talking with National Grid to make sure that they're supplying the right amount at the right time and things like that. Um, if there was, uh, if all of those went off sick, I guess yes, we'd have a the chances of that happening. though are really, really small. Uh, if we look at the uh, maintenance side of it, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of maintenance that you can just defer. You know? So were all of your maintainers to be off sick for a couple of weeks, it's probably not going to have that big an impact on the overall ability of all of the producers to do it. And it's not like we've got a single power station sat in the middle of the country. You know, we, we've got a very dispersed power generation system. Um, so the likelihood of all of those maintainers or all of those managers being off at the same time is, is really small. Um, that's been made um, more resilient, if you like, as we've moved away from very large um, power stations into smaller um, renewable wind installations and solar installations because we've got 
many more places around the country now that we're producing power. Okay. Um, so overall, I think the, the risk to the system is extremely low. Um, I don't think anyone should worry about not being able to plug their computer in or, or boil their kettle or anything like that. I think that the risk of that is, is, is very, very small indeed. That's interesting you mentioned the distributed generation there because we hear people uh, often saying that one of the advantages of that, as well as it being clean, is that it's more resilient to yeah. a big uh, breakdown on the grid. Uh, but you kind of, no one really imagines that we're going to have to be in a situation like that, but maybe this is one. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, the distributed generation that we're evolving now is, is certainly makes the overall system more resilient, but it comes with risk. I, um, most of the alternative generation is through solar or through wind. Right? So if you get a perfect, uh, perfect storm, if you like, where it was perfectly calm, very, very cloudy day, so solar is not producing much, and then some of our main stations went down. All right, that that's that's a risk that could happen, but that's very much a perfect storm. Right? Um, with what we've with that balance of solar and and wind, I think we've got a a much more resilient system than we had maybe you know 15 years ago or so something like that um and if this was to happen in 10 or 15 years time um and the government's carried on supporting uh, the drive to go to carbon net zero and all that sort of stuff so they carry on investing in renewable sources then you know we're only getting more and more resilient so 15 years time we'd have a quite you know a completely different picture to we have now even more resilient Okay, well, you touched on net zero there, uh, which actually was all I was writing about, really, before this whole coronavirus thing kicked off. Uh, obviously, that's disappeared slightly from the front page of the newspapers, climate change and net zero. Uh, but, you know, there are certain news coming out now, uh, such as plane companies uh, pausing their flights, uh, people not driving to work, people not traveling to meetings and doing it online. So there are some signs that this could actually be good for decarbonization. So I wanted to ask you, in what ways is coronavirus going to be good for reaching net zero and uh, tackling climate change? And in what way is it going to be bad? For instance, will it disrupt COP26? Yeah, um, I think this, uh, again, this is a matter of time scale. In, in the immediate, it's going to do us, it's going to do the environment a lot good. Uh, if you ground all of the planes, I mean, and, and there's a big percentage of, of airlines sort of dramatically cutting back on their flights. Um, Aircraft are very carbon intensive. Uh, um, so take them out of the picture, um, and I think it's going to do a lot of good. Take commuting out of the picture for a lot of us. Similarly, that's going to be really good. If the energy required to, to actually produce our work, you know, sat in front of our computers and stuff like that, stays neutral, overall power draw, um, if you look at it in terms of all fuel and energy use, is going to drop down. Okay? And a lot of those are the big polluters. So air transport is quite a large um, polluter. Um, so I think you're going to see short term a similar thing to what happened during 9-11. Uh, it's a great example, yeah, where all of the planes in the States got grounded and then it spread out globally. And we saw a dramatic impact on um, overall average temperatures. So I think short term, um, it's in a kind of wild type of way, it's quite good for the environment. Right. Um, the danger to the environment comes when we emerge the other side of this. Um, and if, um, if at the moment we're on a dramatic slowdown, um, when we emerge, hopefully it's going to be a very rapid speed up. Um, as long as we don't overshoot, 
right? And everybody goes crazy and everybody's, you know, jetting off to here, there and everywhere and trying to get the sun um, and doing a lot more journeys, going to see all the people that they haven't seen for a long time, using lots of fuel. Um, that has a potential to have a bit of a bit of an overshoot of where we were producing this much carbon dioxide before. We'll overshoot that number uh, and then maybe steady out over time. Um, so it depends. How much do we save while we're hunkering down? How much do we overshoot when we come out at the end of it? Hopefully those net off so that, um, or hopefully it nets off positively so that we actually have over time emitted much less. I think there's a good, um, good chance that our carbon emissions this year will be quite impressive compared to um, how they have been over the last few years. So there is definitely a silver lining for that side of it neglecting the sort of the personal side of it for everyone. Yeah, I guess it depends whether behaviour change really settles and people say, oh, I've been travelling less and I can continue to travel less. Or like you say, whether it all yeah. catches up, yeah. that will be disappointing. Well, how much it's quite interesting to look at how much video conferencing is going on, right? both nationally and internationally. Um, this might be the thing that drives sort of wholesale adoption of it, because it's obviously much cheaper for us to sit and have a conversation like this than you know, what would have been either one of us getting in the car and spending, a, you know, a day or, or so um, of our work time doing that. Um, I, I think, and I don't know this, I'm just basing this on sort of anecdotal stuff. I think this might be the thing that drives a more wide adoption of video conferencing as a work method. Yeah, well, it's got us talking to each other like this. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would have normally been on a bus. Uh, my, my last question is uh, similar to what we just discussed, but I've run a story already on our news site today, which is about how airline businesses, uh, a couple of think tanks and universities and scientists mm -hmm. think lots of these aviation firms are actually not going to survive mm -hmm. uh, this shutdown. So is it a good opportunity for governments to say after this has all uh, been and gone, uh, and you know the market's emptied of some of its players. Mm -hmm. Would it be a good opportunity for governments to say, right, uh, new companies setting yourselves up can only buy a certain amount of planes if you have a certain carbon target uh, already signed off, and you know things like that. I, mean, I think there's certainly opportunities for that. Um, I think if the government were already um, driving hard on the net zero um, message. Right? Um, we were, I think, all waiting to see how they were going to support that more through budgets and, and whatnot. Now, obviously, any budget that they did a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago is, is um, a little bit up in the air for now. It will be really interesting to see when we come out of this and when we can actually sit down and do some proper planning at government levels, um, how they choose to, to try and exploit that situation. I mean, there's, there's um, hopefully, we won't see a whole load of companies going bust all over the place, but there's certainly a lot of pressure um, and how we get through the next couple of months will determine how many of those companies come out the other end. Um, but I would hope that governments see both the, the downside of this, which is all of the investments they're gonna to make to keep companies aligned, but the opportunity, opportunity that it presents at the other end. Um, happily, I'm not in government. I don't have to make all those type of decisions. But uh, but there are certainly opportunities as a result of this. Um, let, I guess we can park for now. Let's get ourselves all through with as little pain as possible and then start to look at 
um, opportunities at the other side. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, maybe we can catch up in a couple of months' time and uh, see That'd what's changed. All right. It'd be interesting to, to look at when they say, okay, all right, crisis is over. What happens and how quickly they um, implement some new stuff? And that will be an interesting time. We should chat.